Hey, we're here. We made it. Uh, it's Friday. Welcome in. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I feel like we have just, uh, uh, we've just executed half the battle just by getting here to 3 o'clock. You've made it through most of the workday. Now let's just get through the final couple of hours, whether it's your commute, whether it's uh, your, your wrap-up of the workday, whatever it is. We're almost done. Uh, let's let's get them. Let's uh, let's let's get to the weekend and uh, get you to whatever plans you have here on Saturday and Sunday with some good good weather ahead. All of our guests appear courtesy of our hotline. Riley Wagner is going to join us, University of Hawaii, uh, Rainbow Wahine volleyball player. You've got season tickets on sale, and you've got a team that comes back with a, a good amount of talent and. With one senior from last year's squad on this team, we'll talk with Riley coming up a little bit later on and uh, some of the things that she is excited about coming into this year. That is uh, about 20 minutes away from right now. Also, the Aloha Stadium piece that was was in the Honolulu Star Advertiser today, uh, helping to sow what, what I believe is one of the reasons why you have people who believe that this project is not going to get done on time uh, or whatever at this point on time means. And maybe to a degree, uh, it's a little unfortunate, but I'll explain kind of the timing of what we saw earlier coming up in just a little while here on the radio program. You can uh, get in touch with us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line is at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can send us your tweets. We are at Sports Animals. I am at Josh on the radio. Uh, earlier today, and I think you heard a bite on uh, Sports Center just a moment ago from uh, from Keegan Ota. He played that bite on uh, George Klivakov, who uh, was talking about the, uh, the Big 12. Uh, we're not going to replay it here because I'm going to get another bite in here shortly. Uh, from the commissioner of the Pac-12 conference who basically came in here and had to defend himself and had to defend his conference. His conference is breaking apart. And with the rumors that are out there that uh, the Big Ten may be looking to add and they're looking at Cal and they're looking at Stanford and they're looking at Oregon and they're looking at Washington, you know, with with all of that out there, George Klybakov has to uh, navigate through everything that's happening and still try to make his conference competitive. And that was his attempt today. Um, whether he was successful about that or not, we'll find out within the next two years. We really have no idea whether uh, George Klivakov's going to be able to keep the Pac-12 together. But there's one thing I feel pretty confident about you know, being somebody that is uh, really not aligned with college athletics, as he is not, uh, being a guy who used to work at MGM, that if there is anybody who's going to try to go the unconventional route to try to save his job and to save his conference, then I feel pretty confident that Klivakov would be that guy to do it. Um, but how he had to go about it today, it's awkward. Let's Let's face it. Um, you've got Chip Kelly speaking to the media today, and he's UCLA's head coach. 
and he took a question from someone in can I think it was Quebec and he's like no we're not uh, we're not expanding to Quebec you've got Lincoln Riley who's the coach at USC who said uh, yeah we're uh, it's the first of two Pac-12 media days for us you know you've got the defectors from the conference that are yeah they're answering football questions but yet they're also answering questions about where they're going. They're answering questions about the Big Ten. You've got uh, others who are are answering questions about you know, their future in the conference. And, and you have the Pac-12 commissioner who's just trying to find a way to maintain his conference's relevance. There was one thing that was said, and, and I don't know if you'll hear it here in a second, but there is there is one thing that George Klavikov said that I thought was incredibly out of the box. May not work. I, I have I have no idea if it would even happen. But you know, for a, a rare time, I heard a commissioner give me out of the box thinking that you know you because you rarely ever see it. It just it it kind of flies at you. And, and it makes you kind of stop and think, like, hey, um, this may not even work. But how cool is it that we're thinking way outside the box of college athletics? We're, you know, we're thinking outside tradition and we're thinking about what can we do to kind of keep our keep ourselves together in the midst of what is um just an, an incredible time in college athletics. This is George Klavikov on the uh, TV deal and what they're kind of looking at doing. This is earlier today in Pac-12 Media Day. We have initiated our media rights negotiations. We are in the enviable position of being next to market after the Big Ten. We already have significant interest from potential partners, including both incumbents and new traditional television, and most importantly, digital media partners. This interest is driven by the strength of our school's brands and markets and a recognition of our continued leadership position in college football across the Western and Mountain time zones. With the value of premium college sports rights continuing to rise, multiple interested media partners, and limited opportunities, particularly in the West, we are confident in the long-term value of our rights. Oh, and by the way, he took a shot at the Big 12. Uh, you know, with the Big 12, as he said... Uh, there have been grenades being thrown around the Big 12 that he has had to uh, try to dodge. But uh, he feels like, hey, uh, you look at what they're throwing, sounds like a little desperation because uh, look at their value in market as compared to the Pac-12. This is a Klavikov in the Big 12. I've been spending four weeks trying to defend against grenades that have been lobbed in from every corner of the Big 12 trying to destabilize our remaining conference. And I understand why they're doing it. When you look at the relative media value between the two conferences, I get it. I get why they're scared. I get why they're trying to destabilize us. But I was just tired of that. Yeah, that's probably not the most collegial thing I've ever said. I love that. I love that. Let's let's throw professionalism out the window and just be like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're getting grenades. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna clap back a little bit at their uh, their potential media value, which is gonna be a lot less than ours. Um, but he he mentioned something out of the box, or I, I I prefaced something out of the box, and let me share it with you here. They're gonna lose UCLA and USC in 2025, and I I heard Utah's AD throw this out. Uh, 
the idea of playing was it Utah's AD or was it was it Utah's coach? Throwing out the idea of playing games in Los Angeles. That's that's right. Um, even without USC and UCLA, that they would still consider putting some neutral site games and putting them in LA, playing in that market. It is um, it is as out of the box as college athletics will get. Although I realize it kind of sounds like what the uh, what the XFL is doing, or, or not the XFL, what the USFL has been doing. Remember, uh, remember the USFL? They played everything in Birmingham, Birmingham Alabama. Kind of sounds like uh, um, leagues that don't want to tie themselves to to actual teams. This was, yeah, this was Kyle Whittingham. That the Pac-12 was holding neutral site conference games in Los Angeles. And the fact that they admitted that was interesting. And and Clive Koff said, and I quote, the idea we would abdicate Los Angeles because USC and UCLA aren't in the conference makes no sense to me, close quote. You know, for everybody that's been talking about Hawaii, and let me just remind people what, what everybody has been saying about, oh, why Hawaii is this and why Hawaii is that? And everybody's been saying Asia market, Asia market, Asia market. Um can you listen to what the Pac-12 is more interested in right now? They're not interested in Asia market. They're interested in L.A. and keeping a footprint in L.A. College football is not expected to go global. College football is still very much a domestic product and in many instances is still a very regional product. And the job of what these conference commissioners are trying to work through with television is to try to ensure that its product gains more of a national footing. But Klavikov even, even realizes, Hey, um, we still need to be in LA and you know, we're still, we've still got teams in California and we're going to find ways to still play in one of the biggest media markets in this country. Even if UCLA and, and, and USC, uh, aren't there. And you know what? It is, again, out of the box. It is different. It is unlike anything I've heard a college commissioner bring up. But you know what? I love it. It is un- It is not traditional. And it, it, it goes against everything I feel because I am big on tradition in college sports. You know, I, I, I like the idea of, you know, the college fight songs and the bands and everything on campus or close to your home site and having uh, you know a, a home field atmosphere that is unlike anything else. College athletics, especially college football, brings it uh, more than any other sport, I believe, in this country. And putting some neutral site games in L.A. just to be in L.A., you know, it, it sounds like everything that is against what college football has been since the, the beginning of the sport, which is, Again, the the tradition and the pageantry and the pride and the excellence, as uh, as as Larry Price would say, the school spirit and personal pride, Katouche. Um, but you know what? All that's gone, right? You could keep some of that. You can have some of that. But frankly, it's all gone. Um, these these schools will sacrifice anything. 
just to bring in more money. And it's already been proven. We have seen it. The dollar and exposure means a lot more nowadays for the bigger schools, for the bigger conferences, than it means uh, to, to make sure you can keep tradition. But what Klavikov basically said today is what you needed to hear. You needed to hear, even if it would never work, that you would keep games, you would play some neutral site games, let's say um, let's say you played some neutral site games at SoFi Stadium. Uh, I'll, I'll throw an example of, let's say, uh, ooh, what, what kind of a, an example? Because we're talking about conference games. So let's say, boy, who would you put there? Let's say you put uh, Stanford and Arizona State and put them in SoFi Stadium. Fans are going to flock there. They're going to want to see the stadium. They're going to want to see what, what it's like at a neutral site. And I don't think of pageantry at, at a place like Tempe, Arizona, uh, as much as I think of the pageantry of, of places like in, uh, uh, in Tuscaloosa, and in, in other parts of the college football world. So it's like, okay, well, well, why not? And if you can get the revenue out of that, you can share it with the schools, and you also know that those schools are going to get some good revenue uh, from that as well, then, hey, why not? If that expands your media deal and keeps the Pac-12 together, then that's exactly what you have to do. Uh, I hate to say it, but forget tradition for a little while. You got to keep yourself intact by being sometimes uh, against tradition, going against the grain. And I think it could work. The other crazy thing is, and Klavikov said it today, uh, they are talking about expansion. They're not, um, as the question was asked about the Big 12 going after their schools, he said, uh, we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping there or not, which is a great line. Uh, as he admitted that there are schools even there are big 12 people reaching out to pack 12 schools as soon as yesterday and he said i've got the receipts but he admitted today they are looking at expansion they are looking at schools that could fit the pack 12 footprint they are looking at schools that you know, it's it's geographic it is academic it is all of those things they are not going to sit there and roll over and die because the Big 12 wants to go and, uh, uh, and, and, and try to poach their schools. In fact, if the Pac-12 is as on it as I think they might be, don't be surprised if the Pac-12 thinks about picking apart from the Big 12. And uh, when you hear the Pac-12 commissioner start talking about eh, maybe we're we're not we're we're not staying put we're we're thinking about growing, that all of a sudden sounds the alarm bells. If you are a Mountain West school that is looking at the potential of the top of your conference and where the top of your conference is going, if the Pac-12 is talking about growing, you're right right on their doorstep. And uh, if you're a Hawaii or a New Mexico or a Colorado State or a, uh, you know, any one of those schools that, uh, yeah, you're, uh, you're, you're going to get a little worried, as you probably should. So 
Uh, there is a lot to, to digest from what we took away today. We'll do that over the course of uh, portions of this show. But coming up, we'll turn our attention to Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. Riley Wagner is going to join us on the other side as we get ready for the upcoming season. Great to have you in. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, we're getting ready for Rainbow Wahine volleyball season, which is now, uh, we're now just south of one month away from the season starting in College Station, Texas. Riley Wagner is uh, joining us now on the program. Uh, Riley, thank you for taking the time. I was actually, I, I had to kind of refresh my memory here. I can't believe this is your junior season. It feels like you have been here a lot longer than that. Does it feel like that for you? Uh, personally, it feels like I just got here like a couple months ago. It still feels like I'm brand new to the program, but yeah, it's definitely been a long time coming, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah, um, let, let's talk about this upcoming season. Uh, you guys are starting on the road, by the way, and some of those matches are going to be really, really early uh, Hawaii time, but that schedule that Coach uh, Robin Amo and her staff have put together, you uh, she has put together a pretty, uh, pretty nice test for your group right out of the gate, hasn't she? Yeah, it's going to be a great way to start the season and just get some really tough games under our belt before we start um, in the Big West Conference. Yeah, Texas A&M pit San Diego at the Texas A&M Invitational. As, as you have gone through this program, and, and we've seen you going back to your time at uh, uh, as a freshman at 2019, uh, you have played through big matches, both in a, a conference setting, both in a non-conference setting, and both in a, and, and also in an NCAA tournament setting. Um, how much have you, have you felt like you have thrived on that kind of stage as you have found yourself there so many times here as part of this program? Um, I think it's definitely something that you have to get used to and comfortable with, so definitely playing more big games like that and just being impactful in the big games is really helpful, and I've had the chance to do that, so it's really nice that I can try to t teach some of the underclassmen that and hopefully pass them my knowledge on to them. At what point do you feel like you got really comfortable in those in those big match moments? Can you recall that match or, or that time where you, you felt in a zone? Um, I don't know that it's, like, one specific game or points or anything like that, but I just think, like, Season after season, you look back and you're like, okay, I feel more comfortable after this year or whatever. After this game, I felt pretty good. And I think I did well. And just take what you learned from those games, season, everything, and just put it all together for the next game or season. Let's let's talk a little bit. Since you mentioned underclassmen, I, I was also reminded that there is just one senior on this team. But that does not mean that this is an inexperienced team by any stretch. I mean – you're you're with your friends and your teammates practically every day. Um, talk about what you see in the teammates around you uh, going into this year, whether it's the experience level or whether it's just kind of the bright-eyedness of what you see around your group. Yeah, I think even though we do only have one senior, we have definitely a bunch of juniors and sophomores that have seen some significant playing time so even though we don't have a big senior class we do have some upperclassmen that are definitely going to contribute a lot and I think the freshman pieces that we have coming in are going to really help support the roles that we already have kind of established and 
yeah, I just think we're going to – we've been mixing well so far in open gym, so I think it's going to be a great season. We're talking with Riley Wagner. She's a junior, part of this University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine volleyball squad with the season opening up next month. How quickly did that gel uh, – did everything gel together with some of the newcomers? I mean, and newcomers, not just freshmen, but but transfers into the program. How quickly do you feel like you've all meshed together? Um, I think it took a couple practices, but we've been practicing with, for a few weeks now, and I think it's going really well. We just tried to take what we had from last year and just incorporate the new people into that with, like you said, the transfers and the couple freshmen that we do have. So I think it's going well so far. Okay, beach volleyball, indoor volleyball. We know you have done both. Uh, be honest, what do you enjoy more, indoors or outdoor? Um, I really enjoy playing indoor, but beach has really grown on me in the past few years. So I think they're pretty even now. I think I've gotten to a comfortability level with both of them to where I really enjoy playing both of them at the highest level I can. With the obvious differences of, of both indoor volleyball and, and beach volleyball, um, where do you find the biggest challenge in each of them? Like, obviously, you're tested in, in different ways, not just on surface, but also in what you have to do and how much you have to carry with only two people on the court on the beach side. Uh, but but where, do you, where do you find those challenges on, on each end that really kind of push you and, and, and for you, you know, make you better in, in each side of that sport? Um, I think really for both indoor and beach, when the other team is able to get you out of your comfort zone and make you do things that you not necessarily don't want to do but aren't as skilled maybe, um, I think that's definitely where the challenge comes in because you have to find ways to score whatever whatever it is um, uh, that the team is doing to you so you can find ways to contribute to your team. So just really for indoor and beach, I think it's just when the other team is getting you uncomfortable. This is going to be, by the way, uh, I think this is going to be your first year since 2019 that you will have a full season with people inside Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. And I'm not talking about partial season or season with you know, partial restrictions. A full year with the potential for a full house for the first time in, in three years. Um, can you remember going back to 2019 and kind of for the first time for you kind of getting a, a you know getting a feel of what that crowd was like as as different as it was maybe than any other ex experience you've had yeah 2019 my first year here definitely was kind of an eye-opener to see like the environment in San Sheriff because it's definitely very overwhelming at first but once you start uh playing in it more you learn to love it that's my favorite place to play I th I'm so excited that we get to have a full, maybe full house <laughs> um, this upcoming season. So well, it's it's an awesome place to play. What was overwhelming about it? Do you remember? It's just the fans are, like, very into the game. Everyone knows what's going on. So they are very criti criticism. They have a lot of criticism. But it's awesome because they support you when you're doing well and they are there for you when you're not maybe doing so well. So it's just a good environment to have volleyball wise because they actually know like the volleyball behind it, not just, Oh, we're going to go watch a game. <laughs> <laughs> Riley Wagner's joining us, uh, part of the university of Hawaii rainbow Wahine volleyball team. My, my last question really kind of circles back to something that I, I brought up in the beginning. I mean, as you said, it feels like you've only been here for, for a very short time. Realistically, you've been a part of, 
the Hawaii uh, Rainbow Wahine Volleyball Program uh, for a little bit longer than that. And I, and I always like to ask this of student athletes every once in a while. Um, for you, college, for every student athlete, college is so much about growth. And, and we see, we get to see the growth of these student athletes anytime we get to call their matches and call their games. For you, uh, since you've been a part of this program up to this point, where do you feel like you have seen or felt the most growth in you, whether it is, uh, you know, on the court or whether it's off? Um, I think for me, the biggest thing that I've been working on is like communication and leadership on and off the court. So that's something that I've really been kind of developing over the couple years that I've been playing. So that's really the biggest part of my game that I'm always continuously working on, on and off the court. Riley Wagner, University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. You start on the road, uh, but we will see you shortly after that on September 1st, the home opener against Texas State at Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center. We appreciate your time, and uh, we hope for another successful season. Thank you. Yep, thank you. All right, that's Riley Wagner. Uh, she mentioned leadership. That's a great point I think she mentioned is one of uh, one of the many returnees on this program. Uh, they may have one senior, but there is a, uh, there is a lot of experience between Wagner and IGD and Braylon Akana, who you heard uh, on the radio station earlier this week. And, and you're going to have some competition, too, at that center position, which I think is uh, uh, is going to be pretty good to see. Uh, leadership is a great word, and, and I'm glad she used it. And we'll see uh, really how that plays into how this upcoming season goes. So thank you to Riley for joining us. And uh, season tickets are on sale. Don't forget that. In fact, uh, I was looking at that earlier today. And uh, there are still some good seats left. A lot of good seats are uh, are gone because there are a lot of very, very passionate Rainbow Wahine volleyball fans. But some good seats still remain. You can get those season tickets at eTicketHawaii.com or um, get your tickets at the Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center box office. Oh, Kaufman just missed as he uh, was trying to send in a text message to get to Riley Wagner. You just missed her. I guess that can sometimes happen. We're on a, a little bit longer of a delay. Uh, unfortunately, there's been some uh, some utility work down here that has uh, kind of affected our broadcast out to you. So instead of us being on a on a 10 second delay, we're on like a 90 second delay. So Kaufman, I apologize, but you just missed Riley Wagner, uh, who was on with us a, uh, a, a short time ago, uh, getting us ready for University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. He asked, uh, ask Riley if she's recruiting any athletes from Dublin. Uh, I don't know if she is. I'm sure. Uh, at the very least, if she knows anybody, she's probably putting in, at the very least, a good word uh, as as best as she can do. But thanks for listening in. And again, eTicketHawaii.com or the uh, Simplify Arena at Stan Sheriff Center box office where you can get your tickets for, uh, for University of Hawaii Rainbow Wahine Volleyball. And don't forget those times, the times for the first few matches of the season. 6 a.m. Hawaii time on Friday, August 26th. The, the August 27th match is, is normal. That's 11 a.m. Sunday, August 28th against San Diego. 5 a.m. Hawaii time. 
which is, I mean, that's still even crazy in San Diego because that's an 8 a.m. match Pacific time. Uh, those are incredibly, incredibly early match starts, and uh, we'll have all three of those matches from the uh, Texas A&M Invitational uh, right here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM. A, a lot of people have been uh, throwing out kind of their perspective on uh, what they saw earlier today in a piece from Dave Reardon, which the the title of that piece, by the way, target date for New Aloha Stadium is now 2026. And um, it's it's tough because it's a headline that's just unfortunate. No, it's not a headline that's unfortunate. It's um, it's just kind of poor timing. Maybe that's the the best way I would put it. Is that you have a, a a lot of people who are, you know, really banking on everything to go down on time. And, you know, for, for the University of Hawaii, 2026 may not necessarily change but because the thought was at the latest on that, that first initial timeline that that latest would be, you know, uh, maybe you have uh, the end of 20, 2025, which means you're you're ready for the 2026 season. That may not be too bad, but... It's like a slight step back as compared to what was, oh, okay, it, it was initially uh, end, of, uh, end of 2025 or spring of 2026. And anytime you have any idea that something is being moved back, it's sensitive. And I think that's why you see some people who are like, huh, Already, we're now talking about moving this process back just a, a, a little bit more. Already, the the tough part about it is, is that it might feel like great setback. You know, it's uh, why should we believe that at twenty twenty six things are going to be ready? And it's it's unfortunate. It's it's an unfortunate time to have that come out because it may very well feel like it it's not a misstep. It's not a move backwards. It is as as they have called it. Um, you know, they have to develop and submit proposals. Uh, then you have to review the proposals and then choose the winners of those proposals. And it's not just. You know, it's not just the stadium. It's the proposal for the stadium. It's the proposal for the entertainment district. And then uh, you've got to do the environmental impact statement. That has to be reviewed. So there's there are a, a, a whole lot of things that have to be done. And I realize, as someone had uh, texted into the program earlier, wanting to know, well, what's the, um, you know, what's what's the process? You know, the texter from the 282, can you explain the process of building the new Aloha Stadium? Seems like so many roadblocks. I don't get it. It's, it's A, it's government. It's, it's um, partially public. It's a public-private partnership, which means there are things you have to go through. 
including you know things like the environmental impact statement. But the things that everybody will watch, and I think you um, you have to, is when the governor gives the green light for uh, the request for proposals process. That's one, and then. Um, how long it will take to review the proposals and choose the winner for those that uh, want to submit their ideas. And they say it takes four months to review that. Why it takes four months, I don't know. But I'm also not being an expert in construction and building and, and all of those things and realizing that a lot of these people that have to do that, they I don't think that's their only job. It's not like they just sit there and wait for that. Um, they have other other things that they do daily, uh, you know, outside of the stadium. So um, I could see why that process could take potentially four months. And and I and and I see where Mike McCartney says in the piece to uh, that that was written by Dave Reardon. Quote: This is all due diligence. It's not going to take forever. McCartney also said, we know the EIS, the Environmental Impact Statement, is urgent, uh, but the way the governor, David Ige, has taught me is do it good so we don't have to do it again. We want everyone to be on the same page, close quote, which is, which is true. Do it good so you don't have to do it again, a.k.a. don't build something that will rust so quickly. So you can have something that will last a lot longer than the current iteration of uh, of the stadium did. So I I caution people, especially those who see that today and our and are, um, I think already just kind of in the negative, thinking, oh great, you know, we shouldn't be thinking about twenty twenty six. We should be thinking. Uh, a, a, a lot longer, you know, I, I urge those people to caution just a little bit because this doesn't necessarily mean that we're on track for missing marks and finding ourselves past 2026 and, and 2027. And, and again, we have to remind ourselves, you still have to knock down the current stadium. Uh, that is That is also part of the process. But I think it's a reminder of how I think sensitive timing is in a big project like this and how important it is um, that this is done right. But I also think that the accountability is important. And so, you know, I actually appreciate when I see something today that lays out a little bit of a timeline, even if it means, okay, we may not be targeting the end of 2025, uh, but, you know, more so we're, we're looking at 2026, but I, I at least appreciate, all right, we're, we're four, we're four years out. Uh, this is how long it will take for the development and submittal of proposals. This, how, this is how long it will take to look at the proposals. I don't know why it's going to take four months. Um, this is still what we have to do with the environmental impact statement. This is what needs to happen before we knock down the current building and, you know, that will lead us to where we ultimately want to go, which is having a stadium. I'd rather have this accountability very early on than kind of sitting in the dark, which it felt like 
a lot of us did for a little while, wondering what's the wait? Why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? What's left? What needs to be done? And it, it, it did feel like that for a little while, even within the last year, year and a half. And I think COVID-19 had a little bit to do with that, kind of keeping people in the dark on where the stadium and, and the situation in the stadium is that, well, um, at least you kind of now have a little bit of an idea. We get a Sports Center update with Keegan Ota in about six and a half minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. We are at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. We were spending a few minutes on the uh, stadium, the uh, recent story today by the Honolulu Star Advertiser. That's where I believe Eugene is hanging on to get in on that. Hi, Eugene. Hey, Josh. Good afternoon. Hey, um, I'll bet you a plate lunch anywhere you want that the demolition of that stadium takes longer than it took to build. That's number one. <laughs> number two, name one project the state has ever finished on time. And lastly, the best one. The reason why it takes so long, all the political cronies need to figure out how they're going to skim their money off so it costs way more than budgeted. You want to do that for a while? Um. Well, uh, I'll, the first one, I I'm not hungry, so I'm not I'm not taking any uh any plate lunch bet on that. Two. You're um, not going to take the bet, huh? No, I I'm not taking. I I'm I I'll just say I'm not hungry for uh for for plate lunches. I'm skimming I'm skimming back. We're, I need I need to be a better we're eater. Talking. So I'm not I'm not going there. We're Secondly. Second, demolition. no, I know. So I'm going to the demolition part now. Demolition part. Look, I'm I'm not a uh, I, I'm not an expert on a lot of these things, so I I don't like to I don't like to predict one way or another. But I I do say I understand why there are people that are so just kind of skeptical about a lot of it. But the thing on the third one. I don't know that I believe that totally only because of the, the, the private part of this that I don't know how much uh, I, I don't I don't know how much this will get to the lobbyists and the cronies and all of that. Uh, the, that's supposed to be what's supposed to help this process is the private part of this public private partnership. That's supposed to make this a little bit cleaner. So my daughter goes to San Diego State. Let me tell you. The time from design to build has taken a shorter time than it's taken for the new stadium to just be planned, much less broken ground. Oh, and I that and I and I and done. I and I get that. And, and Eugene, I'm up against the hard break here. I, uh, I've got to run. I I get that. have you in it is the sports animals here on espn honolulu at 92.7 fm and 1420 a.m i'm josh pacheco thank you so much for allowing us in uh you can text into the program our zephyr insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420 you can call us like eugene did earlier at 808-296-1420 and you can uh, send us your tweets we are at uh sports animals you can get to me at josh on the radio we've spent a little bit of time on, uh, on, on well, really the the story of the uh, the day. I think anybody's worries about the stadium 
the Aloha Stadium and, and what they saw earlier today in the piece that was written by Dave Reardon of the Honolulu Star Advertiser, I think kind of got people in a position where all of a sudden they were like, oh, great. Here we go. It's not going to be 2025. It's 2026. I think people are right now, they're dreading any kind of bad news. And so when something comes down and it's not either any kind of public decorate, uh, decoration, <laughs> if it's not any kind of public declaration that you are either on time or on budget or even better if the declaration were to be, hey, um, we are ahead of schedule, which we know is is likely not going to happen. If it has nothing to do with any of those three things, ahead of schedule, on time, on budget, then, yeah, I absolutely get it. When you have the immediate concern and the immediate negativity that comes into play when uh, when thinking about Aloha Stadium and what it means for the University of Hawaii. Texter for the 255 said, uh, if you heard the interview with Rich Miano a little while ago, he was very concerned about Hawaii football being able to maintain D1 status. He felt like his things are lined up now with conference moves, a lack of D1 talent, and the lack of a stadium. Further hindering recruiting by Hawaii's future was precarious at best. A future delay in building the stadium certainly doesn't help improve the outlook. Um, there is a lot to go through there. Um, but I think the first thing is Hawaii, Hawaii, I think, got a lifeline when it comes to its ability to to maintain its Division One status just by having at least a plan. And I remember we asked David Matlin about this last week when he joined us from Mountain West Media Days in, in Las Vegas, that there has certainly been an understanding. I mean, A, you had uh, you know the break due to COVID, and, and, and that gave uh, relief to the University of Hawaii that it could kind of go through, um, you know, kind of go through this without really a lot of the fear of, uh, you know, worrying about those, those number limits, right? You know, the, the COVID exception was there. Now you have to get the exemptions from, from the NCA to be able to have, uh, you know, an FBS game with less than 15,000 people. And, you know, I, I've said it, and I think David Matlin has said this previously, that people, people know that this is not the university's doing. People know that Hawaii was dealt a bad hand here. And I think because of that, there is a, you know, much more of a likelihood that people are going to be understanding and, um, you know, and, and, and they're going to they're going to give some leeway to Hawaii because of that. And I think you will see that over the next couple of years. It was helpful that there is a plan. And, you know, I, I, I remember Craig Thompson saying that last week at Mountain West Media Day, that that was a, you know, seeing that commitment put out there, $400 million for a stadium, that was reassuring. 
uh, it was reassuring to the conference, and I'm sure it was also reassuring for the University of Hawaii that that was signed by Governor David Ige. We also do have to remind ourselves that um, there is an election coming up, and uh, I know at, at the very least for the Democratic candidates, I don't know what the Republican candidates have said. The Democratic candidates have gotten far more attention, uh, but I know as far as the three headliners for the Democratic ticket, Lieutenant Governor Josh Green has said he supports it. Um, current U.S. Representative Kai Kahele believes there shouldn't be a stadium there and it should be housing. But he did also say, I think it was on the job interview, which airs on uh, Hawaii News Now, that he's not. I remember the question. Daryl Huff asked this question. It was a it was a um, I, I like the way he framed it. Daryl Huff is the I think one of their uh, uh, news editors, one of the behind the scenes guys. And he asked a really good question. He said, are you one of those like Frank Fossey kind of mayors where you are, you know, this will, you know, this won't get done over my dead body? Or are you one of those individuals that, uh, you know, you're open minded, you're willing to listen, you're you're willing to take a lot of things into consideration. And, and he did say that, you know, while he is against a stadium um, and wanting the priority to be on housing. Uh, it, it doesn't mean he's closed-minded. It doesn't mean that he doesn't want to hear any of the arguments as for why a stadium should not be there or should be there. He wants to hear all sides, and and if he is in that position, uh, make that determination. And then uh, Vicky Cayetano, who is the other leading Democratic candidate, uh, candidate uh, for governor, did say that she was kind of like, and I remember this in, in one of the PBS interviews, she was kind of like, well... Um, you know, I I support it, but um, you know what's most important is need. And so she, in, in the same answer, she was like, "I support it," and then later said, "At this time, I don't support a stadium being at that site." So it's like, it's kind of like saying, "I would normally say yes, I would be for it, but right now I can't say yes to it, given the the need is is affordable housing and." As we hear a lot of these individuals when they're when they're talking to people, you know, they're um, they're constantly saying top priority is affordable housing. Anyway, I mean, you you have that as part of the conversation. I know that was a, a little side tangent there, but you'll you'll understand why that is put into this mix eventually. I think the concern about maintaining division one or it, it's not division one we have we have to get the terminology right is football bowl subdivision i i think we have to we have to leave that out of the equation because i don't think that's part of the equation um the 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 fbs stuff is almost like to me it's 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 like driving fear and i get it you know i i i i get this this worry, this fear that something bad is going to happen because, you know, we don't have this thirty thousand seat stadium, and you know we're we're playing on the timeline and the budget of somebody else, and you know we we still want to improve what we have on campus, but that also is dependent on 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 other factors, and that is dependent on budget. It is dependent on money that's allocated, and get it. Um, but I do believe that it is, frankly, it, it is kind of, it, it's a little overreactionary 
to say that what is going on here is could be the difference between this program being in the FBS or not being in the FBS. Frankly, if this program were not in an FBS program or, or not in at the FBS level, then we'd be talking about much bigger problems, um, a.k.a. how you can keep your television contract the way it is because it is advantageous to that program and that television contract would be worth um, far, far less. And then, uh, uh, you know, trying to maintain the funding that you have for all the other sports that you have without cutting anything, which the University of Hawaii has done a, 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 as masterful of a job as it can do, um, trying to avoid all of that during a pandemic. And I don't want to sit here and play the worst possible scenario game or drive this kind of like worry that, you know, uh oh, you know, this could get really, really bad because, you know, I don't, I don't know that it will get to that point. And frankly, I do think that there are options if for whatever reason there's a concern about. You know, can you get fifteen thousand people to you know to be in your venue to to be FBS compliant? I do believe that there are opportunities to be out of the box. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go back to to Stephen Size um, you know, column that he had a while back. Remember that one where he threw out the idea of playing some games in Vegas that everybody was like, "No, don't do that." That's crazy. Remember that? When honestly, the goal in mind was to try to have at least like a backdoor plan. What if you do need something like that in order to have people and in order to to maintain your FBS status and to schedule opponents? What if you did need that? Uh, Everybody thought it it was an insult to season ticket holders. I actually thought it was, you know what it was? It was called being creative. And trying to be solution-based instead of what I think sometimes people are just kind of like reactionary, uh, reactionary-based. So um, I I don't want to play into that game that you know the the FBS status is is in jeopardy. And as we've said, um, the stadium I think Hawaii was given a breather. Thanks to the announcement last month, I think that should kind of back people off of that that whole you know the train is falling down the tracks kind of pedal. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 14:20 AM. Uh, you can text the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420. Let me throw in a you know a couple of other things in on that. Um, you know, there's a couple of things mentioned in this text. Conference moves. Conference moves will have nothing to do, the stadium will have nothing to do with whether Hawaii is in a certain conference or not. And um, I, I've said it so many times. I think we've heard enough from people who are in decision-making situations to be able to tell you what everybody is looking at in determining a, a conference member uh, or determining a future conference mem- member, I feel really confident in being able to say that the stadium 
is not the reason as to why Hawaii is or is not in a conference or, or not in consideration for a bigger conference. And um, I again, I think people use this as an excuse that, you know, it's like a talking point almost. Oh, we're going to use this because this is urgent. If we don't have this, we don't have a chance for the Pac-12. No. Nothing to do with that. And and by the way, George Klavikoff today, when he was talking about expansion and what, um, you know, what people would need in order to determine, like, hey, what what's the the best school for us in order to to expand beyond what we have? Did he mention stadium and stadium size? No. Geography. Academics. Talk about those fits. You hear him talking about how big is your stadium? We're, we're not in, like, this size contest, okay? Um, you know, we're, we're talking about much bigger things than how many people you can seat in a venue. Bigger picture. That's, that's almost all I'm asking people is think bigger picture. I know it's kind of hard because it pulls on the emotional heartstrings. But think bigger than just seating. And I think you'll see a, 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 a better picture than what a lot of people are, are painting. Lack of D1 talent. Um, lack of D1 talent is going to have nothing to do with your ability to stay in the FBS or, or not stay in the FBS. Um, a, lot of, a lot of these things do not compute. They don't go together. And I, and I think if you spend some time kind of putting it all on paper, I think you'd see exactly that. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. You can text us at 808-296-1420. Uh, you can call us there. You can uh, tweet us at Sports Animals at Josh on the radio. Uh, you know, I I think at the end of the day, what Hawaii has more than anything else, Hawaii has what it needs right now. So, you know, stop all the thought about we don't have this, so we're not going to be considered for this, and we're not going to be considered for that, and we're not going to be considered for this other thing. No. Think in the present. Hawaii has support from its conference, the Mountain West. Hawaii, you know, it seems to have the understanding and the leeway from the NCAA to be able to be in the position it's in and you know still be able to operate truly as a uh, you know FBS member and I would be sounding the alarm bells just a little bit more if I started seeing schools decide that it wasn't going to come to a 9,000 seat venue. And honestly, I was a little worried uh, about this game specifically. I was a little worried about an SEC team wanting to come to Honolulu in playing a venue that seats no more than 9,000 plus. And guess what? Vanderbilt didn't say no. They didn't back out of a contract. That They didn't pay an exit fee. Vanderbilt said they're going to be here. So... Even my that was my one concern, 
And we haven't seen any other school that has backed out of a contract because your stadium's not big enough. In the famous words of Aaron Rodgers, well, I guess famous word of Aaron Rodgers, R-E-L-A-X, relax. There are understandably reasons, I think, to to have your concerns and your worries, but make them make sense. You know what I mean? Make them make sense before you you you, you try to voice them out there and, and you realize, oh, well, maybe that really doesn't have anything to do with anything um, at the end of the day. Sports Center update with Keegan Otis coming up in uh, just about 10 minutes. You are listening to the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the gentleman here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Let's go through those texts that are on the uh, Zephyr Insurance text line. Texter from the 285. I'm a superintendent for a major general contractor. Time is in permits and approvals. Hawaii is one of the slowest states in the nation. Yeah, I've, I've uh, heard that vibe. Uh, but again, you know, you're already accounting for it, I'm imagining. Uh, I, I'm imagining that by coming up with that timeline of, you know, late 2025 or now, you know, 2026, that you have done that based on the idea that you are thinking that the permits and approval process is going to take that long. And then, you know, yeah. Uh, so I'm not concerning myself too much over that only because I'm thinking we've already kind of we've already kind of packaged that in. Texter from the 282. Josh, since the stadium will be privately funded, all the politicians could care less. Just my humble opinion. You know, I I don't know how much I believe that. Um, because I think bigger picture first off, I don't believe all politicians are greedy. Um, you know, I, I know some politicians, and I believe that many of them, I'm not going to speak for all of them, but I believe many of them do that uh, genuinely because they want to do something good for their communities and they want to make a genuine impact in their state. And uh, I don't believe, because I, I do realize how much people just get turned off by it, I really do believe that there are those who are good-hearted and are doing it for the right reasons and um, would care even if it has no benefit to them because, frankly, there is a benefit to the community, whether it's the community that they serve or the state in general. There are benefits to um, making sure this gets through because we are talking about money coming in. You know, sports tourism is something that I, I believe in that I think we've kind of gotten away from to a degree. I think a new stadium kind of forces you to relook at sports as a tourism vehicle and having, you know, soccer and, and rugby and uh, concerts and festivals and, uh, you know, maybe another bowl game in there. You know, remember we used to have more than one bowl game uh, way, way back when. I am a, a huge believer in sports being that, vehicle and um, politicians should care about that 
it may not line their pockets. And again, that's for all the negative people who just, you know, believe that that's all that they care about. Um, but it would help the coffers of this state and it would help bring some, some great recognition back into the state. And Oh, by the way, with tourism still kind of slow, uh, because we haven't seen the push that you know the Japanese market normally brings in. That hasn't happened yet. You could use a, a little bit of a boost as we get there. And by that point in 2026, you kind of hope that we will be. So um, I don't look at it from that negative of a lens uh, or that that selfish lens that a lot of people believe that, that politicians have. Uh, I, I'd like to believe that the majority of them Frankly, um, their their minds, their hearts are in a better place than that. Uh, Leroy texts in, when the NASA was first proposed, Ben Kudo advised that it would take at least eight years to complete the stadium. That schedule is set so the next governor could have input, which will take at least a year, and who knows what direction it takes. All governor's confidants want housing, so I think Halava will become affordable housing and maybe some market housing. And then Leroy says here, if the government wanted to proceed, the demolition contract would already be set, but Ige thinks the present stadium can be safe. Well, we're done with that. Um, he doesn't believe that. I don't know if he believes it or not, but we're done with that. They say UH will benefit if the entire site is for housing, then will have to be allocated to T.C. Ching expansion or the stadium on campus. Um, no, because honestly, there's only so far you can expand. I don't know how much that actually would benefit the University of Hawaii. Yeah, sure, you know, you would have everything on campus which means you know there's no third party doing doing this or that yeah everything is is within uh i get it but there's only so much you can do on the site that you currently have that it isn't honestly the most beneficial to just kind of build on top even more and even more and even more uh in in what you currently have in front of you one more. This is from the 224. The reason it takes so long, these city and state projects, is because we live in a one-party state with too much regulations. Even us private citizens have to jump through many, many hoops to get permitting done for our own projects. So what you're saying is um, you can relate. That it's not, you know, for all those people that want to, you know, want to make it a political thing, that well, the, the 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 big names and the the regular old Joes like you and me all have to go through the same process is kind of what you're saying. That's why today was just so tough. Um, honestly, the piece in the paper was harmless. Frankly, it was. Here's why we're looking at this particular timeline. Here's what needs to be done. You know, here's a little bit of accountability. Here's what's in front of us. It just didn't meet what I think everybody was was thinking that we would meet the late 2025, early 2026. And because of that, that has gotten people, uh, you know, as negative again, which is uh, which is unfortunate because I don't think that what we learned today should get us in that doom and gloom phase just yet. I'm not trying to be overly negative because I'm not an overly or not overly positive. I'm not trying to be overly negative or overly positive. I'm trying to kind of look right down the middle and parse through words. And what I what I 
take myself through those words, what I what I take is, you know, it's it's not um it's not exactly what everybody is reading into. I'd like to uh, send a personal thank you to uh, to Keegan Ota, who uh, made sure, as a Giants fan, that I did not have to look at my phone for three hours to watch Giants-Cubs. It's the uh, Apple TV Plus game, which is uh, uh, their, their doubleheader. They have those games every Friday. And, uh, you know, it's it's the new media. Some of the old school folks probably don't like it because they're probably saying, well, how am I supposed to get Apple TV Plus on my TV? Well, if your TV is, sh- is shaped like a box, then you won't. Um, but I had no idea, actually, I could get Apple TV Plus on this TV, and, and Keegan Ota uh, made it work. And frankly, picture quality for this is uh, is amazing. It is really, really good. I, I, I needed to get a little, a little of my Giants fill in here. And uh, I've gotten that. Uh, Cubs Giants underway uh, there at Oracle Park. Tomorrow, by the way, they are celebrating uh, Will Clark. And they're going to have a long retirement ceremony uh, right at in the 2 o'clock hour. See you guys on the phones. We'll get to you in a second. Our phone number, 808-296-1420. I'm Josh Pacheco in for the guys. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Uh, you can also text us to the Zephyr Insurance text line. That is at 808-296-1420. A uh, bunch of you texted in during the break on what we have been talking about in regards to uh, to the stadium. That's been a conversation. Uh, we'll get to those in a moment. Uh, by the way, there is a, a trade in Major League Baseball. Uh, according to, I think this is CBS Sports who first had it, uh, Luis Castillo, right-handed reliever or a right-handed pitcher, uh, has been acquired by the Seattle Mariners. Uh, Castillo, 29-year-old all-star, has been with Cincinnati in uh, his entire career. Uh, no more. He has been traded to Seattle. I haven't seen the the full scope of the deal, but uh, you may recall we were talking about teams yesterday that uh, should be in the running for some kind of a deal, like, for example, for a, uh, a Shohei Otani, and I said the Mariners... With where they are in the in, in the wild card race, I thought the Mariners would be one of those teams that should be there, and here here they are making a move for the for a pitcher, which is uh, especially important important down the stretch. So uh, so good on them for making that move. To the text line uh, at eight zero eight two nine six fourteen twenty, texter. Uh, talking about uh, what they heard earlier with uh, with Rich Miano's conversation this morning. said, it was 7 a.m. or so when he was interviewed, so maybe he just wasn't thinking, not coherently, as he spewed such nonsense. <laughs> so it's not like, not like he knows very much about the program or the landscape of college football. <laughs> uh, love your show. You are the definition of an eternal optimist. I am definitely not the definition of uh, of an eternal optimist, but I think I think there is a difference. There is a difference between knowing about college football and and knowing about the inner workings of of how to make a program competitive. I think there is a difference between that and knowing um, how it all affects an athletic department. And I and and that's kind of where I'm coming from with 
with where I see the difference being. Like, we can talk about competitive level. We can talk about impacts of a stadium. Uh, and our number, 808-296-1420, by the way. We can, we can talk about all of those things, and that's fine. Um, but I think it's very hard. You, you can't equate knowing how to make a competitive winning program on the field you can't equate that to uh, what it takes to to kind of keep you relevant off of it when it when you deal with the books and, and all that stuff and budgets. And I and I think there's a, a very big difference. Uh Walt, good afternoon to you. How are you? Oh, I still hearing the ones I hear, Josh. And uh, you know, talking to you, not just talking to another sports show uh, talk host uh, he's like talking to my friend or my neighbor and it, I like to make you chuckle and it, it just makes me feel good I know you do I know you do hey, my uh, friend <laughs> <laughs> I was I was I was giving myself a few seconds to 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 jog my memory is this really him is this really him is this really him yes it is <laughs> hey just some out of curiosity how long does the NCA allow us as um you know, like we got limited capacity. I believe we have to provide. Is it fifteen thousand or fifteen hundred to retain the FBS membership, Division One membership? The and it's, it's fifteen. It's fifteen thousand. Um, right. And and I believe the fifteen thousand is is not just how many seats you have in a venue, but how many people you have going to your venue. Uh, is okay. is is my understanding? But you know, they they can give. Uh, they can waive that. They can give exceptions. And I think the NCA has understood. Well, I mean, A, you've had the COVID exceptions. So I don't know that we've really gone too deep in the process of the NCAA going through all of this just on the merits of the stadium alone. You know, the previous, um, you know, waivers really been because of COVID-19 and how it's affected a lot of programs in, in hitting that number. So now we're getting to the NCAA's part of the process. And, and I think the NCAA is very, as much as everybody hates the NCAA, um, I think they are understanding of the situation. And I don't think there's been any reason given that would indicate that they would not extend some kind of a waiver to Hawaii uh, given its current situation because of, of how little it has to do with Hawaii. You know what I mean? So I, I, I think we're okay in that regard. Oh, and as it stands, what is our deadline? I mean, how, how long do we? I mean, is, is it just presenting the NCAA with the current plan for our new stadium, or do we have to renew that you know deadline, so to speak? I mean, I, 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 I would, I would be lying to you if I knew the every intricate detail of the process, but I don't think it. I don't know that you have to like give them plans and 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 I and all of that. I think you probably just have to you know make a some kind of an application for a, for a waiver of some kind, and then they just have to uh, you know approve it. And then you know um, maybe you do have to give them some of that stuff. And I'm sure the NCAA also has Google, and, I, and I'm sure the NCAA can see what's what's uh, what's going on here. But I don't I don't know how intricate you have to get. In order to uh, in, in order to, to get them to understand your situation, you know this assumes that the NCAA is still together, <laughs> not like two two major divisions of, of yeah. 25. 
by 2026, and we're left out in the cold anyway. I, I, uh, right, I feel pretty good. And, and, Walt, it's good to hear from you, my friend. Thank you for dialing in. I, I, I love when, when Walt impersonates a commercial and then becomes Walt. <laughs> and it takes you a little while to realize, oh, it's, it's just Walt. I uh, love what he uh, what he calls into the program. Um, I feel very confident that the NCA will be around. Um, we're not we're we're not going to deal with a situation where the NCA is not going to exist past uh, 2025 or 2026 or 2027. Because let's remember, um, even if FBS programs or power conference programs don't exist uh in the ncaa structure if they you know break away there is still going to be an ncaa that there are so many schools south of that high level division one fbs or uh or power conference system that are heavily reliant on the ncaa the division twos the division threes the fcs's the NCAA is there for a reason, and you know a lot. A lot of the Alabamas and and UCLA's and Ohio States and Michigans and and all of them, you know, they might outgrow the NCAA, very much so. Uh, they would outgrow the NCAA, but that does not mean that the NCAA would all of a sudden become nothing. And remember too, the NCAA has something that I don't think anybody else would be able to replicate, which continues to give the NCAA value because it's money toward the NCAA that goes toward the conferences, that goes toward the member schools and, and, and all of that. Um, that value is in March Madness. That is the moneymaker. And as long as the NCAA continues to hold that card that moneymaker is as as long as as long as they have that the ncaa is not going anywhere uh in uh, in the high level part of college sports sports center update with uh keegan Otis coming up in just a moment thanks so much for taking us along with you as we get you into your weekend hope you got some good plans weather should be uh weather should be okay uh not that much to talk about in the way of rain, but if you are on the leeward side of the island, there is a, a, a fire a fire weather watch or warning is what I think it is, and that's going to be on Sunday, uh, Sunday morning to Sunday afternoon because the conditions that, uh, uh, what is it, a fire weather watch is what it is, and uh, the conditions, I think it's 40% humidity, the trade winds, I think, are supposed to be around 20 miles an hour or so. They say that in those conditions, and remember, we are in uh, we are in drought. That if for whatever a a fire were to start, it, those conditions could allow that fire to uh, to spread quickly. So, uh, be aware of that. It is going to be uh, it's going to be dry potentially this weekend. Not a lot of rain. We could use some of it. Uh, absolutely. But uh, whatever you've got planned, make sure you are uh, you're you're safe in doing so, so that we can make sure we're talking to you again on Monday. Our Zephyr Insurance text line. We've just we've been spending a lot of time there today because we've uh, we've. 
we've we've gotten some good stuff from you. Uh, Leroy saying, thank you for reporting. People like me have opinions only supported by experience, but no facts. Love your show. I mean, I, I wouldn't even call what we do reporting. Our, our job here is really not to report. Our job is, I mean, I mean our job, honestly, is context and opinion. Um, but what's important for us is, you know, it's it's opinion that is, you know, it's thought out that there's at least some basis behind it. And it's very easy for, for a lot of people to kind of go basically on emotion with, uh, with the stadium talk that um, instead of thinking about how things work, it's just, it's, it's emotion. You're either happy that it gets done on time or you're frustrated that you probably won't. And, again there's there's no middle ground it's just you're it's it's you're happy or sad and i'm not here to tell you whether to be happy or sad um i'm here to kind of give you know perspective and allow you to feel the way that you want to feel um but to at least give you kind of a something reasonable about it that leads you to however you decide you want to feel from it. It's it's not reporting. It's just it's um, you know leave that to the people who get paid to do it. Leave that to the to the good ones, the uh, the Manolo Moraleses and the Gina Mangieris of this earth. Leave that to them. Um, for us, it is is really more about just good context and um, try not. You know, it's it's like in sports. It's like being a, a, a good starting pitcher or a, a good quarterback. Trying not to get too high or too low. Just, you know, staying staying within yourself, staying within the story, and uh, and and letting it kind of letting letting the context text of it go without just kind of forcing uh, forcing emotion one way or another. But I understand. Which is why I think it's it's always important when we spend enough time on it. Like we can't spend enough time talking about a stadium. And we, I mean, look, we've we've spent this entire hour on it. Um, you know, a couple of phone calls and and a lot of your text messages. Like, yeah, it's it's been the hour. But part of why it's been that whole hour is not necessarily because it was planned. I mean, it was very much off the cuff that it ended up being uh, a whole hour of it. But it was it was because that emotion and that passion that a lot of you have you know parse words for a second within the oh this is not gonna get to get done on time oh within the oh you know we've gone through this how how many projects ever get get done when it's supposed to get done you know within all of that my job is to kind of like go through the weeds a little bit and and find what we're really looking for behind every person who says that are the words behind the words, which usually say they're bullish in up front or they're, they're, they're negative up front. But what they're really saying is we have a lot of pride and we want to see this done. And, um, you know, maybe you're negative, but really, really want to see it get done the way it should. All right, we're getting you into your weekend. It is the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco. Thank you so much for tuning in. So you say uh, you say the Angels have a hit. 
All right, trade talks for Shohei Otani are off. No longer. <laughs> if uh, <laughs> if if they got no hit today, you would have no choice but to go ahead and get all the uh, the, the the trade talks running because you cannot feel good about yourself with the best player or one of the best players and, and, and the best two-way player in baseball. You can't in your right mind feel any good about yourself that you can allow yourself to get no hit with with him on your team. Um, and by the way, Otani today, designated hitter, he's 0 for 2. And of course, the, uh, the back issue that uh, Mike Trout has, Trout's not in the lineup. Kurt Suzuki, by the way, is 0 for 2. He's catching today uh, as the Angels are losing to the Texas Rangers. That's in the top of the sixth inning. Uh, we'll get another scoreboard update with Sports Center coming up. Uh, Keegan Oates will have that at the bottom of the hour. We'll have uh, uh, our, our M. Dyer Global scoreboard coming up in just about 40 minutes. Uh, you can text us. Our Zephyr Insurance text line has been busy today at 808-296-1420. You can call us at 808-296-1420, and you can uh, tweet the program at Sports Animals. You can get to me directly at Josh on the radio. Speaking of uh, Shohei, and since we are getting toward the trade deadline, which is uh, coming up next week, where do we potentially sit on that? More on that coming up in, uh, in, in just a few seconds. And why all of the concerns around the Mountain West and what could happen to the Mountain West as we talk about conference ex- uh, realignment and, and all that stuff. Um, why that, to me, at least today, reignited. Because the Pac-12 is in survival mode, and George Klybakov basically uh, basically put it out there. Uh, we're not going to go shopping. Uh, well, we haven't decided if we're going to go shopping at the Big 12, which is kind of like saying, uh, I, I don't know, what what store would you, uh, would you link to? The Big 12, too. I was about to say Trader Joe's, but I always think of Trader Joe's as a very California thing. So I, I guess it wouldn't be that. Uh, where would you go to get Whataburger stuff outside of actually going to a Whataburger in Big 12 country? I, I don't know. Uh, I get uh, – I, I have family that, that is in Texas, and every year they send me I'm – a, I'm, a, uh, I'm a food person. You probably know that by now. But um, I am big on flavor in food. I'm a, I'm a big sauce person. So I have family um, in Texas, and it seems like every year uh, they'll send me, like, Whataburger sauces from Texas. And I don't think they're going to Whataburger to the, uh, to the actual drive through joint to go buy the sauces in a bottle and send it to me. Uh, so I don't know where they're going for it, uh, which store it is. So I'm, I'm trying to equate the Big 12 to what that might be. But uh, George Klavikov said today, yeah, we're not uh, – we haven't decided whether we're going to shop there or not with all the rumors. But if you are Craig Thompson, you were going to listen very closely to what George Klavikov said today, and I'll tell you why you should be a little bit concerned. That coming up uh, in just a moment. But we were mentioning Shohei Otani and uh, his name coming up quite a bit. His angels stink. He's not hitting the ball all that well. He's pitching really well. We've heard 
part of the rumor is that anybody who wants him probably is going to focus on him as a pitcher, not necessarily him as a uh, as a two way player, which is a uh, which is a good sign. Jeff Passan earlier today on Sports Center talking about Shohei Otani and how uh, the Angels may likely not be trading him at this point. Well, there's been no indication from Angels general manager Perry Manassian that Shohei Otani is going to be on the trading block before the August 2nd deadline. But at least they're listening, which they have not done in the past, which represents a sort of small step toward the idea that Shohei Otani, whether it's now or more likely this offseason, could be available via trade. We have to remember, number one, the Angels stick. Number two, they don't look like they're going to be very good next year unless they go out and spend this offseason. And if that's the case, Shohei Otani is a free agent after the 2023 season. And if the Angels let him go via free agency, the only thing they're getting back is a draft pick between the second and third round. They will want more than that. But do they want more than that enough to give up on the most talented player we maybe have ever seen? Jeff Passan said the two things that are very important. They stink. Yeah. And they're not going to be good for a while. Unfortunately, yeah. And, you know, even seeing today Seattle making a move, uh, acquiring a pitcher here before the trade deadline from the Cincinnati Reds, and not just any pitcher, uh, an all-star pitcher, is a, uh, is a very clear reminder about where the priorities are in the uh, American League West. The Mariners are giving up, what, four minor leaguers for a 29-year-old right-hander, Luis Castillo. They're giving up uh, Marte, Arroyo, Stout, Moore, uh, two infielders, two pitchers that are uh, that are going back the other way. But it, it's, it's, it's amazing. Seattle should probably normally, um, you know, they should not be in the position that they are in. The Angels should be. The Angels should be the team that is um, making moves and uh, you know trying to come up with uh, uh, you know trying to come up with some options to get better here. Which is why I, I even said yesterday, I think you have to do it. Um. Eventually, it, you got to swallow your pride because the business is great. You know the the uh, the ability to market overseas, get your games viewed by an international audience, all that stuff is really really good. You know that business is is awesome, but you cannot forget that there is a business right in front of your eyes that. You can think about all the global marketing and the free international publicity that you get with someone of Shohei Otani's caliber on your team. Uh, but while they are, you know, all of that is great, and the experience of people wanting to flock just to see him is great, it wears off at some point. And you can have this great global audience, but if your local audience doesn't really care anymore because all you are is kind of like this, uh, how would I put it, uh, kind of like a sideshow, 
that you really exist to make sure that people see individual stars, not really to see a championship come your way, as Rob as Rob Manfred once called it, that piece of metal. You know, what do you exist for? At the end of the day, as much as we, we spend a lot of time on business, at the end of the day, the opportunity and the the objective is still to win. And if you're not winning with two of the best players in baseball on your team, then you really need to consider a new way to figure out how to win because you can only stomach for so long just trying to be profitable by being bad. You know, at, at least it's not a situation like some franchises who spend very, very little. They clearly aren't spending to win. They clearly are there to acquire young pieces and grow that way, but they're not really trying to contend. At least they're not that. But it is very clear what L.A. is doing. It is we're merely existing to make money off of Shohei Otani. And, hey, not a bad business strategy in the short term. I'm not gonna. Uh, I'm not gonna dog the strategy. That is, um, you're, you're gonna market every or, or milk every penny that you possibly can out of that, and you should. Uh, but it will dry up, and that will no longer, at some point, become the great attraction. And you have to know. At the right time, you have to know when it is to kind of just fold and move on. That's kind of where I see what the Angels have to do. And and like we said yesterday, I, I think part of it as well is that Mike Trout will never be the same again. He'll tell you otherwise. He'll he'll tell you that the uh, the prognosis that was put out there by his team doctor. Uh, the prognosis was maybe a bit too, um, you know, a bit too negative. That it shouldn't necessarily be something that uh, is a career ender, sure. But he hasn't been in the lineup the last few days. I start to worry if he's going to be an everyday outfielder as much as, um, you know, he'll he'll try to get out there as as best as he possibly can every day and. Part of me also starts to wonder whether he becomes more of a a designated hitter toward the back end of his career, given, again, we're talking about some of the back situations. If we're talking about more of a designated hitter rather than a, a player that is in the outfield, is is you know doing all the five tools that um, – that you might expect from him on on a daily basis. So because of that, even more so, his trade value is diminished greatly. You only have one person you can trade. That's it. And I think you have to do it. Text us at 808-296-1420. Call us at 808-296-1420. You can text the Zephyr Insurance text line. Uh, You can tweet us at Sports Animals, at Josh on the radio. Uh, Plenty of ways for you to connect with us here on the radio program. We'll check on uh, traffic here in just a moment. 
When we come back, we'll get to what we were talking about earlier with college football and what we heard from the Pac-12 today that honestly makes me a little concerned again that put the Mountain West potentially right in the line of the Pac-12 fire. That's next after a look at traffic here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Dexter for the 551 apparently is a Joey Gallo fan. We're talking earlier about uh, uh, whether the Angels should trade Shohei Otani, which I believe they should. That now is as good of a time as ever, uh, given his value. Texter says it would be the most Angels thing to do for them to trade Shohei for Joey Gallo and a few prospects. I I feel bad for Joey Gallo. He is much better than his uh, his production in New York would indicate. But do not be surprised that when the Yankees get rid of Joey Gallo, whoever it is that gets him, if it is a playoff team, Joey Gallo is going to rake. And he is going to be much better than what his current slash line indicates. You're going you're gonna to see the old Joey Gallo as compared to the shell of current Joey Gallo, which has been just kind of unfortunate to see here uh, as of late. It is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. You're listening to ESPN Honolulu here at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Thank you so much for allowing us in here on this Friday afternoon. Uh, If you are a fan of trying to keep the Mountain West together, then uh, you needed to hear from George Klyvikov today, and I think you needed to be a little concerned from uh, what George Klyvikov put out there in uh, in front of the assembled media because what you got today was a conference commissioner who was, well, he was real today. And I credit him for that because, you know, oftentimes at, at these media day junkets and, you know, we got to go to our first one for Mountain West Media Days, but we know what press conferences are, are usually like. They are many times cookie cutter. Someone asks a question, you give an answer, and many times when it's in your own setting, um, it's going to be more often than not a very rosy, um, you know, very positive, shaded kind of, um, you know, kind of presser. And today was not that. In fact, first off, let me just credit the Pac-12. Um, I forgot they had a network. Otherwise, I would have watched the Pac-12 network's coverage of conference media days. Did they even have it on, on their Pac-12 networks? I don't know. No, I mean, it's done now. Don't don't bother checking. It's done now. They're probably showing a replay of something else. What do they have? Oh, oh go through that. Yeah, Keegan, what do they have on the Pac-12 network right now? Um, on the, uh, the the slate of channels covering all different time zones. Tell me, Keegan, what is currently on the Pac-12 network that is worth telling the audience to check out as soon as they get home? Since you've been Nothing. scrolling the TV guide, what is there? Uh, Pac-12 football in 60 and Pac-12 media days, depending on the state that you're in. 
Okay, so Pac-12, okay, so one has, I think it's like the national one that has the media days is what I'm assuming, right? And yeah. it's like a, a round table. The other, the the uh, regional ones are, I'm assuming, old football games condensed into 60-minute versions. Correct. <sighs> Gotta love the Pac-12. I, look, I just wanted to see what was going on. No, I, I know, and I, I kind of instructed you to, to go through the television guide on our... Uh, uh, our our cable system here in which the powers that be generously allowed us to have a sports package so we could have the Pac-12 network because other than that, we wouldn't. <laughs> so, uh, and frankly, the Pac-12 network has, has, very little, uh, has very little bearing on anything unless Hawaii plays a Pac-12 team and they put it on the Pac-12 network, which you can, I think you could say goodbye to uh, by the time we hit 2025. Anyway, not to get too much on a tangent, but you know what you should do normally when you have Pac-12 media days? Um, don't really care about watching a football game in 60 minutes. Uh, I would much rather have Pac-12 coverage. If, if I could program the Pac-12 networks and uh, the, the different regional networks that the Pac-12 has in its collection. If I had one job today to do that, you know what I would do? I would cut the bleep, which is replays of old games. And if I really wanted to invest into a product that I would have satellite providers want to buy into, because right now you can't get the Pac-12 network on, on your satellite provider. Um, you can get them on cable, which is, which is cool. But across the mainland, satellite is, is much more of a, a, a commodity there. Uh, a lot of people love the sports packs on satellite and uh, how much more you can watch. You know what I would have done? I would have taken every uh, one of the regional versions of the Pac-12 network and I would have I would have had team centric coverage of those schools. So, for example, they have a a, a Pac-12 network Oregon, I think it is. Well, there's a Pac-12 network LA, and you might as well just shutter them already. You have the Pac-12 networks Arizona version, and so what you could have done with that one is you have all you cover on that network is you cover Arizona and you cover Arizona State. You can you know, simulcast what you do nationally, but take you know after that, you have coverage of Arizona and Arizona State only, and you put it on loop. It doesn't have to be live, um, but I don't know how many people really care to watch a football game in 60 minutes in July. So, you know, have... You could even do like a student production. Um, you know, that's one thing that the Pac-12 actually has a lot of. They have student productions. Uh, I remember being at USC when uh, Hawaii baseball played USC, and the Pac-12 um, video of that broadcast was a it was a student production. They have that. Build the next future broadcaster. Um, give them an opportunity. Or have this, you know, just the schools in general produce something with like the local radio broadcasters or something like that, and make that something you throw in on loop. Um, air the the press conferences of of the coach of of that team. Uh, air that over and over again. 
have an extended session with the uh, with the players. You know, um, do something that is outside of just putting a network on just to have a network on. Like here's a here's a stash of games just to say we have something going on that's not dead air. There's a reason why the satellite providers don't want Pac-12 Network. There's a reason that television deals, um, because the television deal is so big in in college sports, that the Pac-12's deal is one of the worst. Because you can get the SEC pretty much anywhere. You can get the Big 12 pretty much anywhere. You can get the um, uh, the ACC pretty much anywhere. They have very lucrative rights. Uh, I go to the Pac-12, and I've got a whole bunch of old games in one network uh, where I could have catered to the fan a little bit more. I would have done a much better job of using your resources and also trying to use those resources to say, you know what, um, we're going to try to put together a new deal, and this is one of our resources, and this is one of the things we are proud of that we want to package into what we do. And the Pac-12 basically just said, We'll pump our resources into one network, and everything else is just going to be a whole bunch of nothing. Just a whole bunch of nothing. So, um, that was a Pac-12L, or soon-to-be Pac-10L, or whatever it will be. I mean, they're, no, they're, the Pac-12's not going to evaporate. And that's that's the other portion of this story today that I, I, I think we have to identify, which we're going to do a little bit more um, coming up after SportsCenter, because the notion of the Pac-12 just dying, I think, was kind of put to bed today by the commissioner of that conference, George Klavikov, who said, no Pac-12 school. I, I just saw the quote pop up here. No Pac-12 school is joining the Big 12, close quote. That's the commissioner's words. He's making it very clear that there is going to be nobody going elsewhere, that the conference is going to survive. So, you ask, or you're thinking it in your head if you haven't actually asked it, um, how does the conference survive if it has a really crummy TV deal you have the Big 12 apparently looking to to survive, and you have uh, looking to advance, and um, you've got a state of of college sports in flux. Oh, and you lost your LA market. How do you expect people to believe that nobody else is going to leave, and you're going to walk out of here basically intact, and potentially with more schools. We'll try to digest the playbook of the Pac-12. We'll do that coming up. Final thought coming up in just a moment as you're listening to the Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. I'm Josh Pacheco. Thank you so much for allowing us in as we uh, start up your weekend here. We were talking about uh, George Klavikov today and uh what he said at Pac-12 Media Day 
and why we should pay attention to it if you are a uh, Mountain West fan. Here's why. Um, the reason why is Klyvakov's on a mission. I think that's been made very clear today in in watching him, in listening to what he said. Read between just kind of the um, not it, 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 the thinly veiled frustration of you know a couple of conference members stabbing him in the back, and you know an alliance that they had. Uh, the, that three-conference alignment uh, alliance that ultimately, you know, has gone awry, and as he said today, that's done. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't exist anymore. Um, but he is now more, you know, what bent than ever to make sure that the Pac-12 doesn't die. Uh, he believes the Pac-12 still has more media value than uh, the Big 12 because the Pac-12, uh, uh, you know, where the Pac-12 is located. Um, so he still believes he has that. He still believes as they work on their new media rights deal, which they think will be about five to six years long, that they have an ability to uh, uh, to attract a, uh, a, a good television partner or television partners. In order to do that, though, uh, I think you have to have a little bit of a mix of creativity and you you have to have some risks. The Pac-12, or what will be the Pac-10, or whatever the heck it is you're going to call it, who cares at this point, um, is not going to be a solid conference if it's just the 10. As much as the 10 are together and trying to vow to stick together, as as he said earlier, you know, nobody is joining the Big 12. Like he said, with respect to the Big 12 being open for business, I appreciate that. We haven't decided if we're sh- if we're going shopping there yet or not, which was uh, <laughs> which was great. It was one of the best answers I have heard. Um, you know, at at any media day, but he said, "Look." Um, the Pac-12 is going to be solidly in a per-school distribution basis in the middle of the Power Five conferences. He said that, you know, they're looking at their rights and says that, um, you know, their, their guidelines on potential expansion, you're talking about location, you're talking about, uh, you know, academics, you're talking about a lot of those things that the Pac-12, I think, has always been about and just won't uh, won't budge on. But let me also make it very, very clear is that this is not going to be 10 and we're done. And that's why if, if I am a Mountain West school that does not have the ability to see yourself in a, in a bigger conference, for example, most of the Mountain West schools are in that position. I'm thinking today... You know, I wonder what our conference will look like in 2025. And the first school that I thought of when I saw what this, you know, kind of interesting plan that that Klyvakov's putting together, the first school I thought of that has an opportunity to bolt the Mountain West 
and be the next power five, you know, bottom of the barrel yet interesting player is San Diego State. Not Boise. I think San Diego State is jumping Boise as maybe the most interesting piece in the Mountain West. Go back to what Klyvakov said uh, earlier today about market. And not it's not the bite. I'm just I'm gonna read the quote. Go back to market. And he he talked about the importance of the Los Angeles market. They're they're losing their two LA schools, but said, and I quote, Southern California is really important to us. And I think there are different ways of approaching staying part of Southern California. He said we may end up playing a lot of football games in L.A., close quote. Now, that might sound kind of far-fetched, right? Because you're losing your two L.A. schools. But I think in order to do that, I think you still have to have something fairly close to L.A. And the one thing potentially that could be close to L.A., it's, I mean, it's, a, it's an hour out, but is a possibility is San Diego State. Just think about that. You might play games in SoFi Stadium. You might try to play games in in Carson, California, that that soccer facility that uh, the Chargers were playing in for a little while as a as a temporary home. You, you know. I think it's called Dignity Health Park now. I'm I'm not entirely sure. Point being, you have venues. And if you're worried less about tradition, because quite frankly, I don't think of football on the West Coast and think about tradition. When I think of football and tradition, it is heavily rooted in schools in the South, Schools in the Midwest where college football is like church on Saturdays. When you're on the West Coast, which is why, again, we always talk about college football as a uh, as a very regional sport. In the West Coast, you have to be entertaining. You, you, every school will have their traditions. But it's not necessarily like those traditions are running college football in the states of Arizona, Utah, California, Oregon, and Washington. They're not. I think you can get away with the possibility of playing games in L.A., but I think you have to have something close to L.A. in order to do it. When you lose UCLA and USC, the closest thing you have to L.A. is what? Um, I mean, you got to go six hours to go to Cal and, and uh, uh, Cal and Stanford. So what's the next closest? Um, Arizona? Arizona State? I don't know. I don't. I don't know the uh, the drive time from Southern California to uh, uh, to Tucson, or the drive time from Southern California to Tempe, or the uh, drive time from Southern California to uh, to Salt Lake City. 
to Utah. Seven hours to Utah? Seven hours to Tucson. Okay, so Stanford and Cal are still closer. I don't know what the drive time is to uh, Colorado, to Boulder from uh, from Los Angeles. I'm making you work. Oh, six hours? Oh, 15. Okay, yeah, no, that's not happening. It's making my point. Did you did you do the one to uh, to to Utah to Salt Lake City? It's probably longer, I'm sure. Um, I remember. Oh, it's five hours from from Southern California to Salt Lake City. L.A. to Tempe is five hours forty six minutes. Oh, oh, I was talking about about uh, Utah for a moment. You're but talking you're saying... L.A. to Salt Lake City in Utah, then it's ten hours seven minutes. Okay, but. L.A. to Tempe, Arizona is under six hours. Correct. So right now, you lose UCLA and USC. The closest school that you have to Los Angeles is actually in Arizona. See what I mean? Um, I know South uh, South. I, I know San Diego State is not the biggest draw ever. But you do have to have at some point, if you're going to play some games in L.A., you might want to have a school that's within an hour or an hour and a half of L.A. Unless you want to play in like a one-third full SoFi stadium. Don't get me wrong, though. It is a great idea. Because it's good for television. You know what, you know what television has in L.A.? Um... Here's a non-traditional one. NFL Network's uh, building is right next door to SoFi Stadium. NFL Network has broadcast college games in the past couple of years. They've had Conference USA, for example. There's a potential uh, television partner. The, um, you know, you could have on a given day, you could do a doubleheader in one venue. I mean, They've Larry Scott's talked in the past when he was commissioner about playing games at noon Eastern time, which would be 9 a.m. Pacific to get on TV. You could play a 9 a.m. Pacific game with one of your big games and and uh, and put it inside SoFi Stadium and then have people come back later and have a game on in primetime in SoFi Stadium. Put two games in one venue. If that's going to net you more revenue than keeping games on a on a college campus where it just doesn't have that that same feel and same energy and it's harder to attract national television where you might have a game that is stranded on the Pac-12 network or pushed over to the U. That's what you have to think about. Being in LA is important. And this is why Klivakov was hired, to not think like a college commissioner. He was hired to think out of the box because Las Vegas is a big market. He worked at the MGM Grand, but it's not like every everything that happens in Las Vegas is local. How many of the acts are imported, brought into Las Vegas, part of the entertainment capital of the world? So many of them. Those residencies, a lot of people that probably don't live there, um, but they import a lot of entertainment, and it works. If the product is good, people will go. Klivakov knows that because he was in a market 
where it was proven right. Day after day after day after day. And that's what he has to accomplish. He has to take the Vegas mindset and bring it to college football. But I do believe that in order to do that, he is going to have to think a little bit about getting something closer to Los Angeles. Even if it's not having a school in L.A., I think you still want to close in a little bit on L.A., which means, as I, I think it means, A, you got to look at San Diego State as, as much as that sounds weird. I think you have to. But you got to find a travel partner in that, too, because I don't think you'd want to go to 11 teams. So the oddity along with that, you got to also look at UNLV. Because it ain't that it ain't too far from L.A. to, to Las Vegas. Oh, you're going to go Google search that, too? Go for it. Because when you're in California, there are signs on the freeway that tell you how to get to Las Vegas. Four hours. Bingo. I, I think that is the it, – it's a long shot, but I think that's your blueprint. You want to stay alive as a Pac-12? You got to get into another major media capital, and you got to get something a little bit closer to your current capital if you want to be able to converge into Los Angeles, still play games there in a neutral site, and still say we own L.A. It's Aloha Friday. No work to I needed this. You needed this. It's a Friday. One of the greatest. Except I'm working tomorrow. <laughs> it is the Sports Animals. I'm Josh Pacheco. This is ESPN Honolulu at 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. That makes me want to go to the store after work and spend 25 bucks on a pound of poke. <laughs> That's what that song wants me to do. Inflation? You say what? I didn't realize, by the way, there was a, uh, there was a day, and I've seen the stories all week, there was a day in which nobody had ahi. Did you, did you see that story? Yeah, there was a day where establishments did not have ahi. And I remember that very day, uh, we were at a, a sushi place and was trying to order sushi that had ahi in it. And the place that I went to said it's unavailable. And I didn't realize I didn't realize that it was that was the issue until a couple of days later as I was going through the headlines. There was no ahi for a day, um, which was stunning. I had no idea. Uh, I guess we take it for granted, right? Um, the amount of fishing that's done to have fresh fish in our restaurants and our stores. But yeah, now I'm, I, I hear, I hear that. And I want $25 a pound of pulque uh, from the grocery store right down the road from where I live. I I'm now jonesing for it. Uh, texters into our Zephyr insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Jeff Texton, does the governor of California have any say on UCLA leaving the PAC 12? I'm willing to bet that the governor of California doesn't really care. Uh, so I, I would imagine no. I don't think he has veto power on that. And I think it was addressed today 
do you think there's a chance that those schools go back? And the answer given was no. So I think we're, you're pretty much set on that. Texter from the 927, what's the criteria for determining opponents with no divisions next year? He's talking about the Mountain West, which is going to a no division format. Um, what they've done, you, you may recall the announcement that was made a couple of weeks ago that got a lot of people talking was the uh, the Mountain West putting together their uh, uh, their football schedule rotation. So each team gets two guaranteed opponents annually, face six other conference teams, face nine of the 11 opponents at least twice, once at home and on the road, two opponents in each of the three years. Uh, it was in a, a, a conference subcommittee of the ADs that put that together. Not every athletic director was on that. Uh, Hawaii's athletic director, I'm told, was. And so uh, Hawaii's two teams for 2023 through 2025, the two teams they'll play, San Diego State and UNLV. Um, and then from there, it's, uh, it's creating that rotation of the schools. I don't know every detail that went into it, but I know at least for the schools that you play repeatedly for those three years that, you know, there's a lot of uh, you know, bargaining and negotiating and what makes sense for each school uh, kind of goes into it. Not not easy to do, but they've uh, they've uh, they've they've been able to work that out. We'll see what's done for the next cycle. And a uh, texture from the 497. UH is starting times for the majority of their football games on their website. They do. Uh, they added the start times for the games that will air on Spectrum Sports pay-per-view. Only ones, there's two missing, one based on national television and the other, which the rights are owned by New Mexico State, which will probably be on Flow Sports. Uh, they have to determine that time still. We'll see you Monday. Thanks for tuning in. Sports Animals, ESPN, Honolulu.